Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Welcome to episode 25 of Without Exception. Thank you for listening. Today, we're changing gears from the previous series on becoming a Berean, and I want to share an episode on having an eternal perspective. I hope this episode is a blessing to you. I know that this content has been a blessing to me in my life as I have started to live it out myself. And I want to start by sharing a quote that I'm sure you've heard. If you haven't heard, I'm going to share it with you. And I don't know if it's necessarily something you want to base your life off of, but there is some truth to it. And the quote is this, the key to happiness is low expectations. I know that uh, Dave Ramsey on his podcast shares it sometimes, I think mostly jokingly. I think it's something that typically people kind of take as a joke where it's like, you, you know, if you don't have really high expectations, then you won't be disappointed, you know, so you can have the key to happiness by not expecting much. It's kind of depressing, but in a way it's true because you won't be disappointed if you don't ever expect much, but you'll also probably live a pretty sad life. So we don't really want to go there, but it reminds me of our time at the beach this year, and I want to share a few stories with you. So this year, my family, we went to the beach. We have a big family vacation. We all go to the beach together. And it's really exciting. It's something we look forward to. And this year, my daughter is finally old enough where we thought she would really enjoy it. And for months, you know, I was looking forward to going to the beach and we were going to have this amazing time and make so many memories. And she was going to love it. And it was going to all be amazing. And everything was going to work good. And the funny thing is, like, I've told myself in the past, I'm like, you know, you've been disappointed so many times, you should just lower your expectations. But there's something uh, about me where I don't like to lower expectations. So I was really looking forward to this trip, everything was going to go perfect, there was nothing going to go wrong. And my, you know, my daughter loves water. So we got like a little pool out back, and she loves to play in this pool. She loves any water, anything with water uh, makes her happy. We had a portion of our church uh, flooded a few weeks ago. And she was actually at work with me that day. And it was hilarious because we walk in and this room, uh, it obviously should not have water in it, right? And But it was full of water. And I mean, it wasn't super deep, but it was still a problem. And Sayla goes in and she's like, woohoo, there's water. This is great. And she starts splashing around. And it was like the most fun she'd ever had in that room. And everybody else that was adults was not having fun because, you know, it's water in, in a room that it doesn't belong. You know, it's not like a pool room. But Sayla doesn't understand because she just loves water so much. And so knowing that's the kind of kid she is, I was so excited to go to the beach because you look at the ocean and it's unlimited water in basically, you know, every direction it seems. And so it's super exciting. We were going to go and play in the waves together and we we're going to have a great time and nothing was going to go wrong. So we went to the beach this year. And first of all, I got a little sick. She was sick. So we like who gets sick in the middle of July, right? You know, but it ended up happening. We weren't feeling a hundred percent, which it was fine, but it was like, man, this is kind of a bad start. I think she was sick right at the beginning. So we finally get to the beach. I'm super excited. We're going to go, we're going to play, we're going to have this great time. And I take Sailor right down to the water. She's got her little life jacket on. Everything is going good. And then she gets like, there's this one wave, of course, you know, it always happens every time you go to the beach, it's like you get sunburnt, no matter how much you get burnt every year, you don't learn your lesson. And you always end up having a wave that catches you off guard. And it's one of those things like, why, why do I still have waves that catch me off guard? Like this happens every year. So me and my little daughter at the beach, and we're down by the water, I'm super excited. She was excited. And this big wave comes in. And it didn't even like knock us over or anything, but it hit us enough that like it 
covered her face with, you know, salt water and she starts crying and she's really upset and she would not go back to the water like the rest of the trip. And I think that was either the first day or the second day. So we were there for a whole week and it's like I blew it right away and I was so bummed. I'm like, man, why did I have such high expectations of going to the beach and it was going to be perfect, but then, you know, it was kind of disappointing. It's like she, you know, I ruined it for her. At least that's how I felt. So it's funny. I, it gets better. So I tried to make it up to her. I was like, you know, I know she loves water, but the waves were scary. She, you know, as soon as she got splashed once, she had kind of got this feeling that she should stay clear. So we go to the to the bay instead. You know, the bay, it's on the other side. The waves are relatively non-existent. They just kind of come in subtly and it's so much more peaceful and it's more her style anyways. And it's still got sand. So like a, a day or two, a couple of days later, we go to the bay and it's going to be great. She's got a little inner tube. I put her in her inner tube and I take her out into the water and everything's going great. And all of a sudden I see there's like a ton of jellyfish in this water. And um, sometimes I'm unintelligent. I hate to break it to you, but I was like, hey, maybe these are the kind of jellyfish that don't sting because I'm assuming that there's some jellyfish that don't sting. I don't know where my source of information was on that. But we were already like way out in this bay and there's jellyfish everywhere. And I was like, well, so far things are fine. So I guess it's fine. So I go and I kind of run my hand through some of the tentacles of some because we were already out there and I was worried about her. And I was like, you know, these are probably the jellyfish that don't sting. So it's going to be fine. So I run my hands through some of these jellyfish, you know, again, because I'm super intelligent and I didn't get stung and it seemed fine. So we actually stayed out there and Sayla was having such a good time and she's sitting in her inner tube, kicking her legs in the water, kicking tons of these jellyfish. And what could possibly go wrong? Well, lo and behold, we end up starting to head back in. She's acting a little agitated. And then we get in our car to head back to the place where we were staying. And she starts screaming her head off because her legs are in pain because she got lit up by a ton of jellyfish. And, you know, and I'm feeling like the number one dad. Like I try to be the best dad on the planet. And I was like, man, I ruined the waves. And then this happened. And then like a couple days later, they had a little playground there. And I took her out on the playground. And it's the only time she's ever fallen off a playground, you know, a couple feet to the ground. And she was fine. But it was like, it's one thing after another, you know. And so I think all of us kind of face this at times where we, you know, have something. We have these great expectations and it doesn't really go as planned. And this whole scenario with my daughter, it kind of reminds me of how often this happens in my own life. But here's the thing. Sometimes we, in life, we may feel it's necessary to have low expectations so that we're not disappointed. But in light of this, I want to encourage you in this episode that when it comes to eternity, this is not the case. And this has implications for how we live and view our lives every day. So the inspiration for this message actually comes from a passage in the book of Acts. Now, I don't know if there's ever been a time uh, when you've read something in the Bible and it's bothered you. You're allowed to be honest. I mean, I don't even know who you are that may be listening. So you can be honest with yourself. I know there's been times I've read something in scripture and it's kind of bothered me. And I'm like, I don't understand this or, or maybe like, God, why did you allow this? And, you know, you got to be careful because God is God and I'm just some guy, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not God. I don't understand his ways. His ways are so much greater than mine. But there's times where you can be bothered by something. And so I want to challenge you, if there's ever a time when you encounter that in the Bible, to press into it, don't ignore it, don't just push it off, and try to understand what God is doing through this passage. And there might be something that isn't even super deep in the passage itself, but how you end up interpreting it or what it ends up speaking to you might have an even deeper meaning. And it, this is what happens to me 
uh, with this passage. Again, it was something that really bothered me, but I finally decided to wrestle with it. And the funny thing is we were going through the book of Acts with our youth group. Uh, we j- were about to finish actually at the time of this recording, but this was a few weeks ago. And I got to this passage and I'd wrestled with it in the past and I just, I'd never, I didn't like it. It bothered me. And so I finally, I get to it and I'm like, man, this is the next step. And I'm going to share this with the youth group. And I'm like, I don't like this passage. It bothers me. And I'm like, so what do I do? And so I actually, it's it's one of few times I've reached out to a few um, other people I know that are strong in the word. And I'm like, what is your take on this? And a lot of them are like, oh, I guess I never really thought about it and just kind of threw some ideas out there. And I wrestled with it. And the passage is this, it's Acts chapter 12, verses one to three. I'm gonna read it here. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So we see here that James, the brother of John is killed and Peter's arrested. And why did this bother me? Well, it's always bothered me because... It just seems to me like James got the short end of the stick. Like really, and and not only did he die, but he gets like the most basic short description ever. There's no like, I understand that there might not be like a huge funeral procession, like detailed in scripture, but I'm like, it just, it seemed so like nonchalant, like, oh yeah, you know, that guy named James, he kind of died. And then they kind of move on and I'm like, but it's James and like, he might not be everybody's favorite apostle, but I'm like, you know, isn't this such a terrible way to just throw him to the side? Now you might not even know who James is really, because he wasn't maybe the most significant disciple. Most people remember Peter. He's kind of the guy most people remember uh, Judas. A lot of people remember Judas, right? I mean, he betrayed Jesus. He kind of a a big deal in a bad way. But James, he was the other son of Zebedee. He was John the Beloved's brother. He was one of the uh, the two brothers that was nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. I don't think that Jesus gave anybody else a nickname. And beyond that, he was part of Jesus's inner circle. And that's what gets me, as it's like James wasn't some distant, you know, one of the 70 disciples or one of the 5,000 that happened to be fed, 5,000 men, not including women and children, remember? Like, he wasn't just some guy. He was one of Jesus's inner circle of three guys that included Peter, James, and John. It's John's older brother, I believe. And he was part of this, like his name's introduced first most of the times. It's like James, and and then it's like he almost gets this picture that he's more significant than John because of how they're introduced a lot of times, at least in my opinion. But it was this inner circle of three guys that you see at the Garden of Gethsemane praying with Jesus. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus only took three guys with him. Like, so it's not like James is just some some distant guy. And again, I think it might be kind of wrong how we elevate him, but you realize that at least in our eyes, a lot of times he was kind of a significant character. He was one of, it's like, he was one of Jesus's best friends and he just gets this little like, yeah, he died. And, um, and now we're going to talk about Peter because James doesn't matter. Like that's how it always struck me. And it always bothered me. It's like, if he's this guy that's in the top three and he was John's brother, he was one of the 12. He died. He's the only one I believe of the apostles that actually dies in the scripture. Fox's book of martyrs accounts for the deaths of all the apostles, I believe, except for John, I should say the martyrdom of all of them. And a lot of that's based on church tradition. It's not in scripture. So it's not necessarily infallible, infallible, but you got here that James died. He's in just, it's like glossed over. 
And then Peter, you know, he isn't killed at this point. He gets, he goes to jail and he's miraculously freed by an angel. And I'm like, where was the angel when John was, or when, when James was being killed? Like this, this just doesn't seem fair. And so as I really started to wrestle with this, I realized that the problem probably isn't with the text. It's probably a problem with myself and my outlook on life. Because you look at this and it's like, this is such a disappointment. This is such a tragedy. This is the most awful thing. His life didn't matter and all these things. But is that really the case? Do we really look at this and realize that, you know, he just got the short end of the stick and it's like, no, I really don't believe that that's the case. And as I've grown in my own Christian faith and realizing what it means to have a biblical worldview, to look at everything from a, from a biblical perspective, knowing that everything in this world is temporary and that we're, what we're really working towards is an ultimate heavenly home where we spend all of eternity with Jesus Christ. If you realize that, all of the sudden, James going home unexpectedly isn't really as big of a deal. But when you look at it through just maybe an American or modern lens where people don't die suddenly like this nearly as much, maybe you all of a sudden are like, well, this doesn't make any sense. God, this isn't fair. How come Peter got to live and James didn't? And this isn't, this isn't right. God was wrong. And you realize that there's not necessarily a promise that we're going to be okay in this life, but God's promise is for eternity. And so uh, Paul actually speaks to this in first Corinthians 15. And this is where I want to go uh, with this episode on having an eternal perspective. He says this in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And I so love verse 19 where, where Paul writes and he says, look, if, if our hope in Jesus is only for this life, then out of everybody on the face of the earth, we should be pitied the most. That's the gist of that. Why? Because they were persecuted. Like if you look at the life of Paul, it's, it's funny. Again, we were going through the book of Acts with the youth group and it's like literally every time Paul goes to a city, he's beat up, he's persecuted, he's chased out of the synagogue, he's whipped, he's stoned. Like his life was very hard. You know, it wasn't like a, a peaceful American dream kind of life. You know, he dedicated his life to Jesus in a very real way and ultimately it cost him his life. And, it, and even in the life that he lived, like, yes, you know, you can look at it theologically. He lived, you know, Christ through him, but it, it was an awful life. Like in so many ways, he was persecuted, he was beat up and all these things. And if it was all, if all of this suffering and everything was for nothing and at the end, then, you know, the hope was only for this life, then yeah, like that's awful, right? That, that, yeah, I would pity that guy. But he's saying that, look, in spite of all these terrible things that might happen in this life, that's not where our hope lies. So is the key really to happiness, to have low expectations? 
I don't necessarily think so. I think that probably what we need to have are heavenly expectations rather than earthly ones. Having a heavenly expectation, you're much less likely to be disappointed because you realize if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and he's given you the promise of eternal life, then how can we be disappointed? Like if, if that's his promise and if we're truly saved, you know, if you're, if you're not saved, then that's a big problem. But if you're saved and you are serving the Lord and you've been bought with his blood and you've been, you know, rescued from your sin, like we have hope and it's not just in this life. It doesn't matter what happens in this life. We, we don't have to, to live in a, a disappointed, awful, discouraged, you know, everything's unfair. No, because ultimately we look at this and we realize that we have a hope that's so much more than just this life. And there's, there's another verse uh, in Titus. If you read the intro, Paul's writing to Titus. He was one of the, the guys that he kind of mentored. And in verse two, I'm going to start in verse one, but verse two is where I want to focus. Here's another thing. It says, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. And he says this, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. He says here that the promise is eternal life and the promise is made by God and God is a God who never lies. So not only we, we don't have hope in this life only, we have hope in eternal life. And we have hope in a God who promised this eternal life. And he does not lie. It's not in his nature to lie. The devil is the father of lies. It's all he can do. But God is a God who will never lie. And this is the promise that he has given to us. And so we realize we don't have to just focus on this life. We don't have to set our hope in this life, no matter what comes our way. We might be disappointed, but ultimately in the end, when it matters the most, we will not be disappointed. And something that's kind of funny about this is again, I talked about how James's death didn't seem fair, right? Like the, the word fair really is, you know, it's just kind of ugh, like, I don't know. There's, there's things about it that can be good, I guess. But overall the word fair, I think is, it can just, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily what we should aim for in life. I guess I'll just say that, but we look at it and we realize salvation isn't fair. Have you ever thought about this? So like, oh, this thing that happened in my life, it's not fair. Oh, it's not fair that James had to die and Peter got to be miraculously delivered from prison. Where was the angel when James was being killed with the sword? This isn't fair. Well, salvation wasn't fair. Why? Because it cost Jesus Christ his life. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. And it was a free gift for us. We didn't even have to do anything. Like he had to lay down his life for us to be saved, to be the, the, the propitiation for our sin, for his blood to be the atonement for our sin. And we didn't have to do anything. We just have to receive the free gift that he offers. And we just have to receive it by faith. And it's like, that's that's probably the most least fair thing ever. Like on his end, it's great for us, but like that, that just seems not fair. It's because it's not, you know, like, but it doesn't have to be. And we, and we don't have to put this weird, fair standard on things to realize that like, this is such a great gift. And instead of looking at it in a negative light, like, oh, it's not fair. Like we should be thankful for it. That Jesus who knew, like he was a man who knew no sin. He was perfect. And yet he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That is just, that is not fair. So when we realize that this, you know, that speaks to our eternal home, to the hope of eternal life that we can have. Our, our hope is not in this life only. 
And so when there's things in this life that might be disappointing, that might not seem fair, trials or things that come, we can look and realize, look, the most significant thing that was ever not fair is the gift of salvation, which is our reason for eternal life. And here's another thing that's kind of ironic. We look at this and we we almost imagine that God's promised this perfect, you know, butterflies and rainbows and Skittles kind of life. And nobody's ever actually said that out loud, but sometimes that's how we believe life should be because we've put our faith in Jesus. And if you look at John 16, 33, Jesus promises that there's going to be difficulty. He promises that in this world we'll have tribulation or trials or difficult times, but we can have hope and joy and peace because Jesus has overcome the world. That is where our hope needs to lie. So his promise, right? It might not be speaking to this life. Like that's a promise. John 16, 33 is a promise that he's overcome the world, but also that this world will have difficulties. So we can't look at this world and assume that everything's going to always be good and hunky-dory and everything, nothing's ever going to go wrong. No, instead we need to set our sights on eternity and have that eternal perspective because that is where our hope lies. So remember, Jesus promised difficulty. In this world, we will have trials, we'll have tribulations, we'll have difficulties. But these things are not evidence of God's absence or his absence of care. Instead, they should point us toward the heavenly reality where we will not be disappointed, for God has promised and he will not lie. So one of the keys to facing disappointments in this life is to keep an eternal perspective, realizing that nothing can take us from Christ and his promise for eternal life if we've been saved by him and are thus kept in his hand. And in that, we can place our hope and we will not be disappointed. And so with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.